Ashton here with Love Life and Disability. Hi and welcome back to another episode of Love Life and Disability with me, Kay Ashton. Today I am joined by Sav. How are you doing, Sav? I'm doing fine, thank you. Thank you so much for coming along today. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Yeah. So what really stood out for myself um, with you is you do student radio and you have done so much volunteering. Similar to myself, I started my career in radio and of course I've done lots of volunteering. What kind of student radio did you do and how did you get involved? Um, I started student radio in my final year of uni. I went to the uni University of Hertfordshire in Hatfield. Um, I was on the main campus and um, I studied a degree in environmental management, which is quite niche. Um, I started media back in January 2011 uh, during my sandwich year placement at the London Wildlife Trust in King's Cross. It was a nature reserve called Camley Street Natural Park. Um, they got me doing social media. They got me doing not just that, but also YouTube and blogging. And that kind of continued when I started my YouTube channel in 2011, in June 2011. And then I decided during Freshers to, uh, to join student radio, the student union's uh, radio station. And um, they gave me some training and stuff. Started in October uh, with my first show uh, on a Thursday afternoon during the lunch time. Uh, so, so, so it was in between my lectures. So I had an hour show or two hours, I think, um, just doing that. Uh, my first show for the first 20 minutes, I didn't know how to put the fader up. <laughs> and thankfully, I didn't record the show for that first show because that was terrible. Only I realised towards the end of my time, um, I realised that you're not supposed to put the fade up when you press the button to pre-fade so you could hear people. No one ever bothered telling me. <laughs> Did you enjoy it? it? Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I only saw it as a hobby afterwards. Um, because I was focused on trying to get into environmental management, like more into sustainability consultancy. But um, I think after student radio, I did hospital radio at Radio Norfolk Park, which is now known as Radio Harrow after a merger okay. in 2015. Um, so, so with Harrow Radio, community radio station and Radio Norfolk Park, they merged in 2015. And they're still based at Norfolk Park Hospital in Northwest London. Um, Harris or Sprint, it's on the border between the two boroughs. Um, I did that from November 2012 to like 2015. Uh, only in 2015, I decided to take uh, media as a serious career. Uh, so I've been doing it for six years now and it's been an interesting journey, uh, not what I expected. Uh, it's been incredibly tough, um, especially when I was diagnosed in 2014 as autistic. Um, they've known since I was two. 
that I had learning difficulties. Yeah. Uh, when I was 17 in college, I was diagnosed with dyslexia, but they missed out the autism. It would have been Asperger's, um, but that uh, the term and everything is still valid to a lot of people, but officially they're moving away from the, the terminology, they're okay. moving away from high functioning, low functioning, autism, mild autism. Uh, people still say that autistic people and it, it's valid to them. We should really tell them how they identify. Yes. Um, that's something I'm, I've been learning as an advocate. Since 2017, I've been an advocate. Uh, and what's it meant for you having your diagnosis now with autism? Like you say, you've known from like the age of two. So how has that changed having that diagnosis? It, it made me realise that it explained a lot of things, like situations and uh, interactions with people, uh, friendships, uh, why they ended, uh, why it was so hard to maintain a friendship. Uh, certain ones when it was mostly me doing the hard work um I do have a bunch of friends now who are my closest friends and the best friend I've had many best friends over my life but this group of friends have been since 20 between the period of 2011 to 2017 um it it, it was just I lost a, a lot of friends I I unfriended a lot of people as well over the years, uh, ghosted people because I felt like there was no, I felt that the friendship had ended mm -hmm. nat naturally. Um, or sometimes something happened, like uh, one of my old friends uh, said something that didn't sit with me really well. And also certain situations as well, where like I made the effort to go to where they lived which it wasn't, it wasn't far away. Yeah. You know, by train or by car, uh, by bus or anything. They just felt that it was too much of a hassle to come to where I lived in Pinner. They just wouldn't reciprocate, I guess. Uh, yeah, and then, yeah, and uh, also my current bunch of friends, I'm communicating with them, even though we don't talk to each other as much as we can, I really miss them a lot. I haven't seen them for a while now. Um, uh, it's mostly been online, but yeah. Uh, once lockdown is restri restrictions have ended, hopefully by the summer. Touch wood. Um, um, I've said to them that let's all of us meet together. Um, I should be vaccinated by then. Um, Good. So it it will all of us should be vaccinated by then uh, i know that uh, a couple of my friends have been vaccinated uh first dose i'm due uh on saturday Good this luck. saturday yeah so first dose so um so like both my parents have been diagnosed because uh my dad is especially is a heart patient so that 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 that, that was at least uh something good they were diagnosed early in the month um so i'll be diagnosed uh not diagnosed i'll be uh, vaccinated i'll be vaccinated soon and then hopefully in 12 weeks time i'll be fully vaccinated and then um that will mean that 
by summer, I'll still be wearing my face mask. Whenever I go out, I'll be wearing it. It's like, that'll be the norm for me. It's the new normal now for a lot of people. Yeah. That... And a lot of people with underlying health conditions and disabilities as well will probably be wearing face masks more, not just to protect themselves, but to protect others around them, even if other people don't want to wear masks anymore. Um, yeah. It's something. When we've spoken before, Sav, um, we spoke about your, um, from an Indian culture. So studying media, for example, is kind of like frowned upon at points and because you might be expected to go down the traditional route of maybe studying business or mathematics. How yeah. has that worked for you and um, being the oldest in your family? Because uh, um, i got older cousins and... I've got younger cousins as well, but I've got two younger brothers. Um, I, there was a pressure uh, to go towards accountants, accountancy, because they said I was really good at maths. When in reality, I always struggled with maths. Okay. Uh, especially after, especially during A level, um, GCSE, I, I went from like near bottom set to top. Well done. In a space of a few years. Uh, they were really surprised uh, that I I went that quickly because it, it, then GCSE maths was more fun than mm -hmm. A-level. Uh, I wish if I went back, I would have done um, not maths at A-level, would have done something like uh, graphic design. That would have been good, yeah. Uh, instead, uh, uh, would have kept biology, wouldn't have done physics for AS, um, would have done biology, maths, not biology, graphic design and geography. And I could have gone into graphic design or environmental. I could have, I don't know about environmental management, but I could have done yeah. graphic design because um, I, I really was good at that at GCSE level. Uh, I love architecture and design. Um, I'm kind of like, because of my media career and everything, I love production and everything. Uh, it, let's say the traditional, like, a lot of my friends who are Indian uh, growing up or South Asian growing up and through college they were like doing like finance accounting uh, medicine biochem biomed dentistry all that usual wow. like usual uh, career paths and I'm like that's not me um, I never had a good experience with accounting I don't think anyone has uh, when I do work experience, life automata. I was I loved optometry, but so uh, I I enjoyed that. But go looking back, if I could go back in time and do that again, I would have stuck with the graphic graphic design and become a graphic designer because there back then with the technology and everything, I would have. I think I would have done really well on that side with media as well. I would have gone yeah. into agencies and everything as well. Just the career path would have been similar. I would have done radio a bit much earlier um, and all that. I would have done all that much earlier. It's uh, never too late, though, to, to do no, graphic no, design. No, it's not. Uh, but I am looking at doing courses. Uh, mm. Once I'm working and everything, um, I might just do a part-time course um, just to fill my time. Yeah. Um, and once I get a new laptop and everything that and all that, and I can use programs, 
during my free time I can just mm -hmm. do some graphic design qualifications on the side and just have that as part of my all-rounder uh, but I still be in production I mean but the graphic great. design would have uh, would help like me understand like designers sorry about that it's <laughs> fine it's fine um but um yeah that's what probably make me understand more about how graphic designers do that, that'd be amazing. So, so what is your favourite moments yeah. about working in the TV industry? I've enjoyed the production side more. I've, over the years I have I enjoyed it. I have presented, I've done that for BBC Clerk, I've done that for London 360 Media Trust. Um, I have a pair of people so I'm a natural presenter. You are, uh, you're good. <laughs> it's, a, it's practice, <laughs> being in front of the camera, being a YouTuber um always thinking on my feet um always planning ahead sometimes or just like I can just if you drop me into somewhere I probably will adapt quite quickly um that's what I love about the tv industry um there's a lot of things that uh things are getting better uh slowly but things I would like to see a lot more neurodiversity in the industry uh, in 100%. general. Uh, and it, we're getting there slowly, but it needs a push, a bit more of a push uh, to get things going, like at the BBC, ITV, uh, Channel 4, Channel 5, uh, Viacom, and Sky. Yeah. Um, at the big the big media companies, um, just not just in TV, but in radio as well. So every aspect even behind everywhere. the camera every behind the camera especially behind the camera we need to see more uh neurodiverse people i'm sure there are a lot of neurodiverse people who are not aware that they are autistic mm -hmm. uh, have adhd um dyspraxia dyslexia etc all the neurodiverse conditions and disabilities um i don't think many people realize they might have it unless they see someone who's actually open about it they'll probably realize wait a second and they will come and talk to you and everything it's like just get a diagnosis even if you i wouldn't uh the nhs is the waiting list are a joke um it took me a long time it took me over a year to get diagnosed i would say that's even much worse now after the yeah. during the pandemic and even afterwards it'll i think it'll set everything back a good five ten years for people if you yeah. just wait there in the nhs so if and you can afford it, do it as an actual self-diagnosis. Like the amount yes, of people I'm coming across, it's still valid. It's valid doing it. I would recommend getting a private diagnosis if you can afford it, because then at least it's credited. It will be noted. It will be noticed by the NHS, especially your GP will put that in on your record. And, and also having that diagnosis will actually help you if you need to get benefits like PIP, which I'm on. Um, I got that in 2014 after I got diagnosed. So literally my social worker at the time, he basically got the ball rolling for me and told Good. me just get on that because then it's not means, PIP is means tested, I, but thankfully back then they, they look at my diagnosis and also my report and my report had everything that they don't need to have an assessment or anything they just read everything and then approved yeah. it which was very 
very lucky. Uh, so yeah, I would definitely recommend getting PIP just to give you some financial support. Uh, uh, it's not me, it's, uh, you don't have to tell them about your, uh, you have to tell them about your change of your circumstances and everything, but follow the PIP website uh, and just do it if yeah. once you're diagnosed, because it'll help so much. So we've touched on quite a few things there. So I've got lots of questions. I think I'm going to go for um, your YouTube first. So you spoke about obviously doing your presenting and obviously I'm aware you've got the um, YouTube page, but I guess our listeners and vloggers might not know what you do on YouTube and we will reference it and put it below. Um, so what is your YouTube about and what can people expect to see? Uh, so I've been on YouTube for nearly 10 years in June, uh, a decade of YouTube. Uh, a lot of ups and downs, uh, being a creator. Uh, my first channel, that was the one I created when I was at uni. Uh, had much longer hair than this. Uh, haven't had a haircut since November, I think. Um, waiting for April the 12th, so I can just get my hair back to a bit of a, where I like it. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, that was in 2011. 2014, I created Savan Films, which is my main channel now. Uh, that started off as a short films thing. Um, my first video anniversary has just passed. Six year anniversary, 2011, 2014. Seven. Yeah, seventh year, seventh year now. Um, so that YouTube channel, the first video was called Clouds. Just that. Uh, then it, <laughs> In 2016, um, it started to be more vlogs. Uh, and then I changed in 2017. I started to do an autism awareness series called Autism with Sav, hashtag okay. Autism with Sav, uh, all in cap with the each word with a capital. Um, I, I also did that. I, that video still watched. Um, my videos are still watched. Uh, I'm still getting subscribers, even though in 2019, in October 2019, I decided to take a step back from YouTube and stop doing okay. the weekly videos because of the burnout, autism burnout, and uh, that's the worst thing, autism burnout. Uh, but the constant autism burnout with my mental health and everything, I, I just wanted to focus on my career more. Mm -hmm. And uh, without YouTube, I wouldn't be where I am right now because uh, it's taught me a lot of skills, uh, especially video editing and everything, but also presenting, producing. Uh, it wouldn't have led me to doing uh, Roundhouse Radio, it wouldn't have uh, Roundhouse Rising, it wouldn't have, le it wouldn't have led to, um, in 2016 onwards, wouldn't have led me to my current friends, um, my closest friends. It wouldn't have led me to going to VidCon Europe, in Amsterdam for two years wow. uh, and also VidCon London in 2019. I didn't go to VidCon 2020, London 2020, because I was working at Sky at the time as an intern and I felt like that's going to be too much because I'll be talking to a lot more people, uh, I'll be very tired and I know how conventions are. I, I volunteer. <laughs> I volunteer at Sitsi, formerly known as Some in the City, uh, which is an online convention, YouTube convention, mostly for YouTube. But now it's diversed into 
more TikTok. Last in 2019, it was TikTok. Uh, a lot of TikTokers. Um, they're a different breed of people, influencers. <laughs> um, Instagram, the year before, uh, more Instagram influencers. It's just, it's evolved from yeah. a YouTube fan convention, but it's more focused on fans still, whereas VidCoin is more focused on creators um, and industry people, um, which I prefer as a creator. Uh, but I have met my fans at yeah. conventions. I've met them at Sitsi whilst volunteering. I've met them at VidCon whilst just going around. It more VidCon it was more, um, my fans were more like, they could approach me more easily. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Sitsi, I was working technically. Um, so I, I couldn't really just hang around with them. They, they did hang out with me like, like, I was working, but also talking to them as well, uh, because I, my role was uh, directional and roaming, which I have experience of doing anyways uh, as a, a former steward at Arsenal. Oh, cool. So I know how to manage a crowd. But <laughs> a football crowd is different to a crowd of screaming fanboys and fangirls. I can imagine. Pre-teens and tweens and teenagers just screaming and running in all sorts of directions and then you should just shout at the top of your lungs stop as soon as I raise my voice really loudly they just stop in their tracks look at me I look at them I just show I'm a volunteer and I'm in charge so if you don't behave I can just talk to my team leader I can talk to the event security that you're causing a health and safety hazard you'll be kicked out of the convention so behave otherwise I will escalate it further um you get all sorts of people like uh entitled self-entitled they think they're top you know the top dogs everything top dogs and adopt I was like they they complain I had parents complaining to me because I made a decision that they were causing a problem like they're blocking a fire fire exit because you're blocking it you, you know you're causing a hazard here and also get a random a spontaneous meetups by creators and they're told creators are told you shouldn't be doing spontaneous meetups um or even people just just sitting and causing a a, a flowing a flow problem and all that all that experience of being a steward but they also had issues with security, like not doing their job properly and everything. And it led to confrontations. I don't like confrontations at all. It's just, um, I have thankfully during the pandemic, there hasn't been conventions. I do miss them, but Mm -hmm. I miss more of the, I miss my friends a lot, but I, but I miss just going to conventions and just chilling and hanging out with people. And VidCon is more like that. And if I get the opportunity next year to go to VidCon and it's for work as well, I can just take some time off work or I can just mm-hmm. go with work. That'd I can just good. go and just just do that. And Sitsi, I think I might take a step back from that. I have discussed with a couple of my close friends that maybe it's time I put a line under Sitsi. I might go to the pub at the Excel and just hang out with them 
and say hi and over. But most likely, that might not happen. If, but next year, I am thinking of that. That happened because I'm thinking reassessing everything because I'm not really. I'm still a content creator, but I've it's gone now beyond the point where my autism advocacy. How can I make events more autistic friendly, neurodiverse friendly, and VidCon is more easier to talk to about all this stuff. Uh, they have taken my my ish, stuff on board, um, so. Yeah. <laughs> so when we've been speaking about um, disability in the arts, especially behind camera and on screen, is how do you feel we can actually improve that representation? What steps could we be taking? Talking to a lot of disabled people. Um, also, because every disabled person is different and have different needs, there's no one size fits all. Um, so there has to be an umbrella, like to like where everyone can talk openly, and each accommodation uh, is sorted properly. Mm -hmm. um, also, people uh, being trained, especially people senior level and mid level, junior. Everyone needs to learn about ableism and how to be anti ableist. Uh, because it's a lot of internalized ableism, which I have, uh, which my friends and family still have, I have. Um, it's all about unlearning. It also comes as well with anti-racism as well, because it's anti-ableism, anti-racism, anti-colonialism, all that falls mm. underneath the same thing. And it needs to be tackled. All these issues need to be tackled as well and only then true progress will happen um, and I feel that we're on the right step and right direction it's just going to take a little bit longer because of what's going on at the moment I do hope that in the next 10 years that there'll be more neurodiverse people more disabled people people of color working in not just at junior level behind the scenes and in front of camera but behind the scenes mid-level and senior level mm -hmm. And I want to see a lot more senior CEOs of person of colour, disabled, LGBTQ+, plus, everything. Same. That's, and uh, I think I'm at the right place at the right time. Like They're looking for more people like me. And I fit a lot of boxes. I, I tick a lot of boxes as well. And it's just a matter of... It's also the talent as well. Are they willing? Are they willing to nurture that talent? Yeah. And I would say that I would be like, uh, I would be happy to eventually move on into mm -hmm. a role that would be a senior position. Um, it's like growth in company and growth in job. You know, yeah. you don't want to start off as runners three months later, not be there, or come back be a runner again. It's we want to be able to grow and develop and learn those skills and become the next senior. As I know so many places at the moment within the media, they are doing different diversity and inclusion strategies and trying to yeah. improve things. So if we take the BBC, they've just done the, I think it was the 50, 2012. Yeah. And they're trying to improve things. 
so people are getting there. I think we're a long way off, but I think until places make line managers and senior managers accountable um, for their actions and maybe not being diverse within their teams and within their thoughts, that we probably can't improve. Mm. So, as you know, the show is all about love, life and disability. So we've been touching upon the love and the disability, well, the life and the disability part. But what about the dating life fit for yourself? Obviously, we're in a pandemic at the moment, so that can be quite difficult other than talking on apps. How how do you navigate the dating world um, being neurodiverse? Is it difficult? Um, it is difficult. Um, I have never been in a relationship before in my life. Um, I've had a lot of crushes. I've asked people out, but I don't have the courage to ask my current crushes out at the moment. Fear of losing them as friends, more most most because what we have is amazing as friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been on online dating apps, uh, been on the main ones, uh, but also specific ones for Asian people. And I was close to having a relationship, but I screwed up on my part and more. I regret that still to this day. Um, I am looking for someone once I've settled down into working and it's just yeah. all need a bit of stability and uh, routine, then things will happen quite quickly because that's the nature of things, especially mm-hmm. when now at my age of 30, nearly 31 soon, I do want to be in a relationship. I do want to have the next step of that relationship as well eventually go toward marriage yes um and have a family um it all depends on certain such things but also i'm just looking for someone who's caring understanding of me being autistic but also if they're a geek as well like me a massive geek like me that's that's a plus a big plus because if we have similar interests as well and also I'm willing to learn their interests yeah. and they're willing to learn mine. I know relationships involve a lot of compromise as well. Give and take. Yeah, but it's, it shouldn't be too one-sided. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned that through seeing other people's relationships with friends and family. And I know what I want. Okay, yes, I don't have the relationship experience, like in terms of, oh, I've had several relationships with people. I haven't, I have zero if the first one I have as a relationship works, uh, that's a lot of people just have the one relationship. It's a crazy amount, I don't know the stats or anything, but from my experience, I've seen friends and family just have the one ex- relationship and then still married or in that yeah. relationship My brother's for, the same. For, for life. So I get a feeling that that's most likely going to happen to me as well. Yeah. Um, if they're neurodiverse, that's fine. I, I I know in a video I talked about it in a past video, long time back now, good few years. I said I wasn't looking for someone in an autistic who's autistic because I I I'd never used to get along with autistic people as much, um, especially in the early days of diagnosis after diagnosis. Yeah. Um, but now I've come to it like if I I'm more. 
I get along better with autistic women and girls. Uh, I get along with them more because of uh, masking, um, unintentionally, intentionally. Uh, most likely for me, it was unintentionally not being diagnosed until quite late in life. Um, and also that plays in because one of my closest friends is also autistic. Uh, one of my other closest friends has an autistic partner. Okay. Um, so they both understand. And that's key. It's that understanding each other and, and that partnership. Yeah. And also my best friend and my other two closest friends as well, they've got to know me. You only know, if you only know one autistic person, you only know one autistic person. Mm -hmm. We're not all the same. No. And I've I've said to them, I've said to my friends who aren't autistic, look at other autistic people, you know, who follow them and look at their experiences, learn from them, because then you will understand autism better, but also you will learn a lot more about me as well. It's a scale so that, like many different yeah. disabilities and conditions, because if you take mental health some people can't even leave the house they can't get dressed in the morning they can't go for showers because they're so consumed in a in mental health well then you may get somebody else on completely the other end of the spectrum they're needing to be around people to 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 just be in that safe zone and yeah. you can have a complete spectrum even with my own yeah. disability yeah it's, it's just yeah it's hard it's the same with me. Uh, what I've learned about the spectrum is not like one end to another. It's a mix of different traits. It's like an infinite, like an infinity loop. You different, uh, you you pick out various different things from various parts of that spectrum. And yes, there are people who are not nonverbal, uh, who don't speak, uh, who can't communicate as well. Uh, whereas people like me. From the outside, no one knows I'm autistic until I tell them. But they always have that stereotypical thing of what an autistic person looks like. And what normally they think of is a white, straight male, size gender, uh, a, a savant, all that genius, all that sort of, all, all that yeah. true at all. Um, and then they meet me. And like some of them are thrown off from what they think and when they get to know me better and everything they they start changing their mind you go actually it's it's more different to what i thought it was uh, and there's still a lot of things uh, it's been difficult telling someone that i'm autistic and because i'm so open about it it might hinder me from finding someone but then that means for me well, that person wasn't right for me. Mm -hmm. They don't, then there's no, you know, and they are when it comes to relationships. It might have turned out for the better that I'm not in a relationship, relationship with that person. Um, because pre diagnosis, if I was in a relationship with someone from college or high school, or like even uni. If I was still in a relationship and they found yeah. that I was autistic, would they be still with me? Yeah, are they going to leave you like midway or something? It's oh, they did. They just, you know, big if. Yeah. Um, now that I'm 
openly autistic, uh, disabled, because I never used to see myself as disabled early on in my diagnosis. It's uh, interesting you say that, because a lot of people who are neurodivergent don't recognise it as a disability. Some people will, and some people don't. So it's interesting yeah. that you also bring that up. Yeah, because some people, if they go out with me, they'll say, you're not really disabled, are you? And I'm like, to me, it is a disability because it does prevent me from doing things. Um, on top of my autism, I have a clinical depression, anxiety, OCD, uh, that's more germs and bacteria. I'm also self-diagnosed myself as uh, dyspraxic because okay. I realised that I am. There are questions about me having ADHD, but I was never an ADHD child. Mm -hmm. I was never like what people think of someone who's got ADHD because I can concentrate for long periods of time. I can do all this sort of thing. But there's a question mark about the ADHD. But once I'm working and everything, I will get a private diagnosis because I can't okay. afford to. Just whilst I'm, whilst I'm working, at least the money that will come back from that diagnosis will come back and I can reuse that money elsewhere in my life, which I need. I'm definitely dyspraxic because I, my hand-eye coordination is rubbish. It can be. Uh, I think playing football helped, uh, playing cricket as well uh, in my younger years um, helped with my hand-eye coordination. Uh, but it's not perfect and it'll never be perfect because it's also memory as well. Like I've got a very good memory long-term and short-term memory, but because of stress and everything, it has affected my memory yeah. a lot. Um, so, but I am, I've still, I might need some support with my dyspraxia at work, but I haven't said anyone yet that I am, I need to have an official diagnosis. Then they can read the report with my permission and just we can work out what to Definitely. do. And what's going to be next for you then? Obviously, at the moment, we're still in the mass of a pandemic. You're getting your job this week. Uh, what's next for you, um, let's say, once normality restarts? This is a new normal. So I'm hoping that the world will become more sustainable and more greener much quicker um, because the next pandemic's just around the corner. Um, our relationship with wildlife and nature and everything needs to be rethought um, because it's not because how we consume and overconsumption and everything is affecting everything at the moment. That's why I still link back to my degree and everything because I can still use that what I've learned. Yeah. And I'm always like like learning about new stuff, new practices, everything, because it's ever evolving. Um, I don't know. I'm hoping I'll be working soon. In the next couple of weeks or so, I'll know. Because, uh, yeah, touch wood as well, that um, I'll be working, um, even if it's freelancing for a bit or just doing something or more permanent, I don't know yet. Um, there's several things going for me 
you know, like a few things that might happen, but there's at least one of them feels more secure at the moment, especially the way it just happened so quickly this past week. Good. This past few days or so. So the other two, not sure. One of them I can influence and make it hurry up, but <laughs> the other one I can't really. And the, the one that happened this week, uh, just don't know. Don't know yet, but it looks more certain. They're more willing to uh, accommodate as well Good. Uh, my needs. Uh, and uh, there's an autism at work summit by the National Autistic Society which is next week for two days. And I've, I've, I've sent over stuff to the people during my interviews to just check out. So I've had at least five interviews this past couple of months um, since January. So none of them have been bad or anyways, they've all been good and positive. Uh, it's just uh, something will happen yeah. soon. So, yeah. Well, good luck. And where can people go to find out some more information about yourself? Um, I've done a lot of work over the years. It, uh, you, people can connect with me on LinkedIn if they want to. They can find it from my website, my portfolio website. Uh, it's savangandetcha.me, uh, for Victor, A-N-G-A-N-D for Delta, E-C-H-A dot me. Just like, just type that up on Google or on the search bar and it should straight away take you to the website and then you can find out a lot about me and my past work and what I'm doing at that's the moment amazing. so yeah well that's amazing well we'll ensure that we put the links below um on our um, podcast and we'll also do it onto the youtube page and link over to you but it's been so so cool to speak to you today and um, thank you so much for, no for joining no worries thank you so that was the lovely Sav and he's incredible and don't forget this month is Autism Awareness Month so if you're living with autism don't forget to reach out to the National Autistic Society and you can find out more information. Um, so today um, to my understanding is um, Autism Awareness Day but the whole of April is um, Autism Awareness Month so do keep an eye out, do check out what Sav has been up to. And over the coming weeks, we will be hearing from more amazing people telling their story on the different disabilities in which they're living with and what they're doing in the media industry, as well as finding out about their love lives. Because obviously here at Love Life Disability, we'd love to find out all about the love. And obviously at some point, I need to give you guys a bit of an update. But as it stands, there isn't much. So um, yeah, but we'll see how it goes. And I look forward to speaking to you all very soon. Thank you.